Yes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 324, and it's called Like a Fish Standing on the Beach. Which, I'll leave it up to you if you want that comma or not, because you can just drop that comma in a heartbeat, travel a little lighter, you know what I'm saying? Like a fish standing on the beach. Or you can add that comma and like let that comma be like a musical note. You know what I mean? Like like a fish standing on the beach. <laughs> I'll leave that one up to you. It's a Monday. It's a Monday afternoon. I'm telling you, I got this dad smile from the weekend that uh, if you're wondering, if you start to feel it in this episode, you're like, I think he's got like a big dad smile on his face. It's so, woo, and a lump in my throat and... Uh, because uh, Saturday was our daughter Violet's 13th birthday. Remember 13? Whew. Remember the battleground that was 13? <laughs> I, have two, I have this distinct memory. I have these two memories. Riding my BMX bike all the time, and the second memory was on the basketball team. They called me Casper because my skin was so pale. <laughs> That's what I remember. But this Violet Bell is just, what an ex... Oh, God. What an amazing human being. So she made a list last week. I was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And she says, I made a list of places that have give you free stuff on your birthday. She's like, let's just drive around and get that stuff. <laughs> How great is that? Oh, my goodness. So, uh, oh, speaking of dad smiles... Violet and I went to see Billie Eilish at the Forum a couple weeks ago. And because uh, Billie Eilish gets a lot of plays in our house, big Billie Eilish fam fans. And uh, we're going to the show, and there's that Apple documentary about Billie Eilish. And in it, you see her parents and her brother Phineas and her dad. Uh, at one point, she drives away. I think it's the first time she ever drives alone in her car. and. Her dad's in the front yard, and he sort of sees her off. And then the camera just stays on the dad, and he does that speech that every parent knows about, like about your kid just going out into the world and doing what they do. And so that dad, that guy, I love that guy. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's that, that thing he does to the camera. First off, the director, it's brilliant that they just rolled – tape and just just he just stands there in the driveway talking like every parent everywhere every dad ever but so anyway violet and i are going to see <laughs> billy eilish at the forum and i was like hey i was like i'm really excited it's gonna be cool to just say hi to billy eilish's dad <laughs> right there's like 17 what is it what is the forum Fifteen thousand people seventeen thousand people but i love doing this to violet because you know like that wonderful thing at 13 where you adore your parents but you also you know, you're, they're, you're so, they're so easy to like egg on. Like your kid is just so like, so I was like, oh, we'll uh, go. And then, you know, at some point I'll just say hi to Billy's dad. Cause I just think that guy's the best. And Violet rolls her eyes and laughs like, yeah, right. But we're there down on the floor between the stage and the soundboard. Billy Eilish is going to go on in like five minutes, maybe. So there's that like pre-show electricity in the air. And I say to Violet, hey, Violet, look. And like standing like right next to us is Billy Eilish's dad. <laughs> With 
Now that that was a dad smile that guy had on that his face. Oh yeah, uh, it's just so beautiful to see. <laughs> oh, as long as we're on, as long as we're surfing this dad smile wave, and then Preston Bell, his uh, going on tour in Europe, so he needed some new flight cases for his guitars because you got and like we had to figure out which guitar do you want to check under the plane which do you want to take on the plane which uh which one do you need a hard case for which one do you need a hard case but it's also a bit soft so you can fit in the overhead if you need to so uh i'm telling you the details right that's where all the joy is yeah and actually uh he just left like the car pulled up and he put his stuff in the back and they're taking him to the airport and he'll be gone for a bit. Vienna, Brussels, Milan, Paris, London, he, uh, Berlin. He's going to be all over. So he just drove away and whoo, dad smile, parentheses, lump in the throat, right? You know what I'm talking about. The yeah, I don't even know what, what lump in the throat is just that universal experience of look at this. Look at this. Look what we get to do. Look who we get to be with. Yeah, so this episode is called Like a Fish Standing on the Beach. It's also like a dad with a lump in his throat. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, speaking of tour, we're going to be going that way. Uh, me and Kristen and Violet this summer for Everything is Spiritual Tour. So all of you Berlin friends, Amsterdam friends, Glasgow friends, um, going to Stockholm for the first time, and then Copenhagen. I'm returning home. Uh, I've never done a tour stop in Oslo. And then uh, going to uh, Dublin, Belfast, and then um, England, Bristol. Oh, I'm so excited to go to Bristol. I love that town. And... Uh, Brighton, haven't been to Brighton before, and Manchester. We'll wrap the tour up in Manchester, but not before we go to London. Um, these are some of the, my favorite cities I've ever been to in the world that I've ever done tour stops at. So that's this summer, and tour is on, and we'll, yeah, yeah, full steam ahead. And then, uh, oh, yeah, there's another thing. I'm starting in, uh, what day is it? The end of next week, maybe? is I'm doing some more sessions. So if you're working on something and uh, you hit a wall, you're stuck, you have questions, you sense there's something new that wants to come through you. you you've got some sense or something asking for expression, but you're trying to figure out how to say it, speak it, write it, shape it. Um, so what happens is there's 10 of us, me and nine of you, for three hours on Zoom on a Saturday. It's a Saturday morning for me. It's, it's super early if you're Australia. It's late afternoon, evening if you're Europe. Um, it's lunchtime if you're East Coast. But we go three hours, and you bring your question, and then I take you through this process. I start asking you questions about your question, and we watch you, and I just keep uh, asking you questions, and we you want it I mean when you see it happen it's, it's like a magic trick it's just not unclear who exactly is doing the magic trick and what's interesting about these sessions 
is people generally end up taking more notes on the other people than themselves, which I think is fascinating because watching somebody work it out, first off, it's incredibly inspiring, but you inevitably see yourself in that person. So uh, I just felt like we should do some more sessions. So there's writing sessions, speaking sessions, and then um, the session's called The Business of It, which is just all the stuff. It's uh, really important to me to create a space where you can talk about all the stuff, the, the thing behind the thing, all the animating energies that there isn't any other space to talk about that in that you know of, um, but to talk about it with other people who have the same kinds of questions and are doing... Uh, who are like, okay, let's let's make a new world together. So all those dates and times and info are up at the site, as well as the new audiobooks, Handling Your Fire, which is about passion and burnout and routines and resilience. And then there's uh, one a new one called Grabbing the Bag, which is um, about money. And yeah, I spent about three hours giving you new ways to understand what money is and how to talk about it and understand it, especially with the people that, um, partners, people in business, kids, et cetera, where um, like different images, language, metaphors, ways of talking about money. Yeah, so that's some stuff we made recently, some stuff we're doing. And uh, now, you know, uh, let's uh, talk about like a fish standing on the beach. Kyle, turn the camera on. <laughs> you know what that's from? Oh, God. Kyle, turn the camera on. I have been saying that. <laughs> I just said it like, like a reflex. That is so weird. That makes me laugh really hard. Okay, there's this podcast called the Bill Simmons Podcast, and I just started listening to it, and I don't, honestly... I don't really listen to podcasts. I have a friend who's played me a couple episodes of a golf podcast. I know nothing about golf. And I was listening to this podcast he was playing me going, oh, God, this is, like, really interesting. I like these. And other than that, I've listened to a handful of podcasts since there ever were podcasts. So I just didn't, honestly, I was late to the podcast thing, except for the fact that I've been making this podcast. But I just recently started listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. And Bill Simmons is like, how do I even describe this glorious human being? He has a savant, encyclopedic, photographic sports memory. He seems to be able to remember every single thing he's ever seen in a game. And he has this podcast where he talks to all of his friends who seem to have similar capacities. So what happens is, like right now, it's NBA playoffs. And so if you're like me, like three games a night, this is the best time of year. Oh, I love it. So you're watching, you're watching the games and you're wondering, you have these questions or you're wondering about stuff like, what's the deal with that player? Or uh, prior to, just before playoffs, like what are the Lakers going to do with the Westbrook contract? 44 million last year, 47 million last year. What, what's the, how's that going to play out? Like you have these questions, but then you listen to these people who know like a million things more about sports and you listen to Bill Simmons talk about this and you're like, oh, I'm not crazy. And you get backstory and you get like, it's this powerful thing of seeing something and then finding out that other people are seeing the same thing you're seeing and then seeing all kinds of things that you didn't see. So I've been listening to this Bill Simmons podcast and I just love it. Like when there's a new episode, I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, but he does this thing where he's like talking away and then it's time. He then he's like, okay, I, I got a hot take on this, which is sports talk for I gotta I I'm gonna say something here. I'm gonna go out on a limb, I'm gonna make a claim, I'm gonna like here we go. And so he says, Kyle, turn the camera on. I assume there's someone named Kyle, probably an intern, a cousin, producer, somebody who has a button he pushes. And then they film that part, which I guess I, little, I haven't even done the most basic follow-up on what this even is. But I assume it's they film it and then put it on YouTube, that little chunk of the podcast. So when Bill Simmons is about to say something like of significance or something that might be a little like, whoa, he's stepping out with that hot take. He says, Kyle, turn the camera on. The other day, wait, last week, Thursday, I'm in my favorite surf shop, Almond, and uh, I'm talking to my friend Phil and Dave, owner, founder of Almond Surf, and his brother Jeff, we're, we're just chatting away in the shop, and at some point I said, like, like I just did now in this episode, I was like, Kyle, turn the camera on, and I said something, and... I watched Dave and Jeff and their eyes like that flicker of recognition. And I was like, wait, you know Kyle turned the camera on? And they were like, yeah, Bill Simmons podcast, of course. Like we, I was like, you listen to that podcast? I mean, I assume kajillions of people listen to it. I just happened to have met two of them out in the wild. And <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah. They're like, we have a text thread where we endlessly discuss what Bill was discussing in the last episode. And I was like, oh, me too. I... It's so, why do we love it so much? Um, oh, by the way, when I said, why do we love that podcast so much? And you know what Dave's answer was? Dave said, because he's himself. Isn't that a great answer? Because he's him, because Bill is himself. <laughs> I actually think it has something to do with love. Uh, yeah. Like, even if it's sports, even if it's unbelievably... Uh, complicated details and stats and trivia about sports, it's still, it's like a love, love of the game, love of the psychology of it, love of where it's headed, love of the suspense. Yeah, at some level underneath all that, there's like a love. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating how that works? Yeah, so, now, of course, that got me thinking, like, do I... Like, Kyle turned the camera on. It's like, okay, I'm about to say things. But for me, these episodes, I think my whole episode is Kyle turned the camera on. <laughs> I think all my episodes, I don't know what I would pull out. I'm just <laughs> And by the way, if you find your, I'm telling you, you watch, and you're about to say something where you're going to, like, say something strong or something with a point of view, watch how quickly you find yourself going, hey, Kyle, turn the camera on. <laughs> And of course, the other day, listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, driving to pick Violet up from school, I pick her up, we're driving along, come to a red light, and who is standing on the corner? Bill Simmons. <laughs> oh, that is just great. What a moment. Yep. Here we are. This is a simulation, friends. <laughs> it's a game. Oh, I love it. Okay, so now let's say some things. Now that the camera's on. Uh, <laughs> and there is no camera, but there is a camera. Um, but there isn't. 
the where was I? What was that that long? Man, that intro, I just went forever. And now I'm like, where should we even start? Okay, so here's this episode. Here's what I want to do. Like a fish standing on the beach. This is the image. Do you have it there? Do you have it in your head? There's a fish standing there. Yeah. You tap the fish on the shoulder and you say to the fish, hey, look. And the fish turns around and looks back at the water that it just came out of. And you say to the fish, or the fish says to you, yeah, I was just in that water. Yeah. Yeah. So let's work with this image for a minute. Let's work with this image. By the way, I used to... Uh, I mean, I came from a world where the more complicated, the more detailed, the more you could split hairs, that was, that was where you got the points. It's not, as in, it's not interesting. I'm, I'm looking for the simple. Uh, the word I use is elegant. Elegant is a simplicity that contains the complexity. I used to do complicated and extense, extensive and point. A, B, C. But here, uh, here's what I'm interested in. This simple image of a fish. Yeah. Standing on the beach. Now, let's start by talking about the water. So here's a question. Here's how we'll get at it. Uh, and I've asked this question to so many different groups of people. And I'm fascinated with, I've never asked this question that people don't instantly have an answer. So here's the question. In the home that you grew up in, did you pick up the message that life is an adventure that you get to go on, or did you pick up the message that life is a trial to be endured? In the home that you grew up in, did you pick up the message that life is an adventure you get to go on, or a trial to be endured. Now, what's fascinating is having asked, I can't imagine how many people that question, people generally have a very, very quick, almost guttural response to that question. Now, when we ask that question, and when we ask the question specifically that way, what is the message that you picked up on? The reason why I worded it that way, what you picked up on, is it may have been said directly to your face, but probably the message that you picked up on was like baked into the interactions, into the structures, into the codes of conduct and behaviors. It may have been explicitly stated, but it was probably more something that you picked up. Yeah, this is what we mean, this is what I mean by water. There's this water from a young age that we're swimming in. Now, there's a word, it's probably the best word for this. Uh, I would use the word conditioning, although that word, let's just go with that word as the word. Maybe you have a better word for it. Conditioning. It's, it's how we were taught, trained, instructed, what we picked up on, the messages that were sent to us about how this thing works. Perhaps you picked up Perhaps the conditioning, perhaps the water that you were swimming in uh, from a young age taught you, perhaps you picked up, that your worth 
comes from how much you produce. Yeah. So if that if that well, if that was water you were swimming in, that your worth and value come from what you produce, what you achieve, what you accomplish, then uh, if you find yourself not producing, achieving, accomplishing um, according to some metric, then uh, you feel what? Worthless, not enough. Um, if you pause on the relentless push to produce, accomplish, and achieve, and you simply take really good care of yourself. For many people, that immediately feels lazy. It feels selfish. Yeah, that's because that's because of the water. That's conditioning. Oh yeah. Or how about uh, how about this one? Loyalty. Ooh. Whatever you do, be loyal. A and oftentimes, the conditioning can be loyalty at the expense of self. So be loyal, even if it causes you to betray your own deepest sense of self. Sound familiar? Whew, yeah, you see how deep these go. Oh, here's another one. Oh, and this one's huge. And this one actually is often stated directly and oftentimes even with an element of pride. Um, the grind. Oh, classic water. Classic conditioning. It's a grind. You got to grind. You got to grind. If you're not grinding, someone else is. Which, 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 by the way, that sounds really like a motivational speaker. Like, hey, if you're not grinding, someone else is grinding, they're going to pass you. You know what that is? Scarcity. I'll tell you what that water is. Scarcity. Yeah. Anytime you hear that sort of like, a, hey, if you're not working, someone's going to take all your... What that is is scarcity. It says that it's a zero sum. It said that the pie is fixed. There's only a little bit. A few people will get it. The rest won't. It's all... No matter what it says it is... It is a particular kind of conditioning rooted in scarcity. Yeah. For a lot of people, uh, connected with grind is suffering. That suffering is the normal state of affairs. Homeostasis is suffering. If you're not suffering, if you're not letting everybody know how, oh God, how hard you work and how late you're staying at the office, how little you can go with, I call it the gospel of denial, how low you can go, um, Oh, yeah, that, uh, man, Th those situations know little of ease. They know next to nothing about flow. They do not glide, which will have its own difficulties. They grind, yeah. Or maybe for you, uh, the, all kinds of conditioning around debt, duty, and obligation. Yeah, you owe us. It is your duty yeah. Oh, or obligation. Ooh, these have such incredibly sticky, energetic imprints. They, like, grab hold of a person. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, so this is what we mean when we talk about conditioning. It's all that we picked up along the way. Now, often, the conditioning, the messages are entrenched and structural. They aren't spoken. They aren't explicitly stated. No, pa no parent, no uncle or aunt said to you, oh yeah, we are marinating you in lack. Or no teacher <laughs> stopped and said, now, I want you to understand, 
the animating energy of what I'm saying to you is fear. This whole structure, this thing that I'm talking to you about is all animated by fear. And so I am passing along my fear. It's like no men, like rarely does a mentor say to you, like, uh, oh, here's what, I, rarely does a mentor say, um, I have profound anxieties that I continue to bury. I have a huge shadow. And so uh, do it like I do it, which means take on the anxieties that I take on, because that means you're doing it right. <laughs> Rarely is this, rarely, yeah, it remains below the surface. Yeah, so entrenched, meaning it's just a part of the furniture. Um, it is structural in the sense that this whole thing is built around it. If you teach high school students, beginning in their freshman year, that there are good colleges that only have a few spots, and the next four years are like a mad dash to get a few of those spots that only a few kids get. So make sure you're involved in lots of extracurriculars that you may not have any interest in whatsoever. You're only doing it so you can put it down on a sheet of paper to prove to people that you're well-rounded. That is a fear scare. That is a soulless... Dis it literally conditions kids to stand at a distance from their heart from their deepest self. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what gift you're here to give. It doesn't matter what is asking to be given expression in the world through you. Here are the few spots. Good luck. Yeah, that is structural. That is systemic. Woo. So this is, and the reason why I say that is, this is why sometimes the water, if you're the fish, is so difficult to see. The reason why it's so difficult to see is because everyone around you is swimming in it. Yeah, nobody has any, there's, there's, no, there's no observance of it because it's the thing everybody's immersed in. It's too close to see. So now, when it comes to conditioning, when it comes to the fish standing on the beach, what happens then is that the unconscious becomes conscious. And this is what's happening right now on a massive scale. We just so happen to be living at a time when this is happening all around us with regard to gender, sexuality, politics, economics, spirit, all around us, creativity, you name it, all around us, all of these messages, all of this conditioning the unconscious, what was previously just the water everybody was swimming in, the unconscious is become, people are becoming conscious. Oh, that's scarcity right there. Oh, that's fear. Oh, that's just propaganda right there. Oh, that's that person trying to manage their anxiety by me. Oh, that's that person's projection. Oh, that's just the shadow that is work, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. By the way, this is uh, when Jesus says, be in the world, but not of it. Yeah, this is what he's teaching here. He's, he's teaching people to how to become more aware of the systems, structures, and conditioning that has been acting on them. Yeah, be in the world, 
but not of it. You're becoming more and more aware of all of these various stories, structures, and conditioning systems that are all around you. You're getting better at spotting them. What was previously unconscious, you didn't even realize that that was your software. You didn't even realize that was the story you were living. Suddenly you're like, oh, wait, that's the story I've been telling about that. And you become aware of, oh, but I could tell a different story. I could like leave that behind. And that is the moment when you are the fish standing on the beach. <sighs> oh my God, that is what I was taught. <sighs> Look at it. Look at that water there. Look at that water. Look at that water that was so intent on safety and security that it endlessly made decisions to keep things how they are. The unknown became terrifying. Whatever you do, avoid the unknown. Stick with what's safe and known. Yeah, all that condition. You're like, oh, that's... No wonder I, that was the water I was swimming in. Now, a couple thoughts on this. First... How many years did you swim in that water? So, so think about anything that you are, that you have been liberated from. That you think of any water that you are standing on the beach, going, "Oh yeah, that water." How many years did you swim in it? Oh yeah, what ten, twenty, thirty, sixty? Yeah, and here's why I asked that question. It may take a bit. To, what's the word here? Deconditioned? I don't know, reconditioned? <laughs> that, that conditioning shaped and formed and worked on you for how long? 25 years? Okay, okay. So it might take a little while for it to flush out of you. It might take a while. So first off, of course it's your default. So those of you who, who, like, your head, your mind just races with possible scenarios of ways things could go wrong, uh, you, you have this, your nervous system is built around risk, avoidance. You uh, endlessly seek to control people, places, and things. Yeah, yeah, of, of, course, it's, of course it's your default. That, that's the water that you've been swimming in. You think about a family system that has generations and generations of particular patterns, habits, ways of relating to each other. Yeah, yeah, that stuff, that's way deep. It's like deep in the bloodstream. Yeah, so, so take a long exhale. Let yourself off the hook. Stop beating yourself up over some belief that you were supposed to be free from this Tuesday. <laughs> For those of you who are like, I should be farther along. Compared to what? For those of you who are like, it's taking way, way too long. Compared to what? I should be free of that by now. Compared to wh what? Yeah, actually, actually, here's some, here's some 4D underwater chess. Templates are often part of the conditioning. Sometimes central to the conditioning was just push a button, pull a lever, and then this is what should happen. So oftentimes what happens is a person has spotted something. You see the water, and you're like, I do not want to live in lack anymore. I want to live in abundance. I do want 
not want to live stuck in my head anymore. I want to live a centered, integrated life from the heart. And so you get a glimpse. Um, I don't want my finances to have a heaviness that just own me. I want to hold all of this loosely. I want this setup to be, I don't want to always be living with this dread of the rent bill that's coming. Okay, so you become aware of, oh, I was conditioned around this stuff. I want, or fear. Oh, there's this thing I really want to do, but I'm just gripped with fear because everybody will, I don't know who will like it, if they'll get it, if it'll be any good. I don't, and you're like, I'm leaving that conditioning. Well, then, uh, I should leave, it should take about this long for those voices to subside in my head. What that's actually part of the conditioning that you can decide, right? Like if you uh, if you just have sort of a, a catalyzed a, a catatonic paralyzed fear about trying whatever some new thing is that you want to try, you're like I I, I should be free from that voice in, on my shoulder that keeps telling me all the ways it could go wrong. Oh, wonderful! That might take a while. Yeah, it might take. Who who knows how long it'll take? Part of the fish on the beach is being freed from any sort of timetable about how long it's air quote supposed to end of air quote take. Do you see that? It'll take how long it takes. Yeah, it'll take how long it takes. Yeah, you plant some seeds in the ground. You know, they'll come up out of the earth and produce whatever they're going to produce. When they do, that's the answer. Yeah. When will I not keep defaulting to this? Well, you'll probably not keep defaulting to that thing that you don't want to default to uh, when you stop wondering how long it's going to take. Yeah, because that was part of the conditioning itself. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a fish on the beach, it can be a bit disorienting. Because at least in the water, there was at least the old conditioning had a, a lot of rules and structures and boundaries in place. It told you how you're doing, it helped you evaluate, it gave you rewards and punishment, it gave you accolades. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes the fish on the beach is slightly disoriented. Besides the fact that the fish is like, I'm a fish on a beach, this is weird. Nevertheless, there's also like a, a bit of a disorientation. You've lived with that desire to control for so long that when it's generally, especially issues of like control, issues of perfectionism, generally those issues we have to be in enough pain. Things blow up on such a scale that we can't even begin to manage them in those old overbearing protectionist uh perfectionist sorts of ways. Yeah, and so that often brings with it profound disorientation. I don't even know what's up anymore. What is down? What's left? What's right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of you who feel like a fish on a beach, like, I don't want to swim in that water, but I'm, I'm uh, how do I, what do I take, an Uber to find some new water? How does this work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, once again, slow it down. The disorientation is all part of it. Yeah, you don't want to swim in that water anymore. One of the things that you'll find yourself learning to do is uh, you'll 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 get you'll get better and better at south starring it. That's a verb. I just made it up. South starring, which means I don't 
want to do that. I have no idea what to do next. I just know I don't want to live like that. So what happens is you get better and better at paying attention to the thing that you're moving away from. Okay, I don't want that. What is it that I don't want about that? What is it about that that I do not want to live like that? What is it about that conditioning that didn't work that I'm leaving behind? And what happens is you're, you'll get better and better at finding, allowing that to guide you. Okay, so what's the opposite of that? If that didn't work, what's the direction to start heading in? Yeah, yeah it's like a South Star guiding you. Well, so that's oftentimes you'll meet people who have gotten up out of the water and they're, they just keep telling, it's all a mystery. I have no answers. I have no idea what's going on. I'm totally like, but then you just ask them, well, what don't you want to be? And they can, they're very quick to tell you all the things that they've left behind that they don't want any part of. Um, but just a bit more reflection. Okay, so why didn't you like that? Why didn't it work? Oh, okay. So going forward, what would be the opposite of that? And it's fascinating how many people I've met who just are very convinced they have no idea what's going on, and it's all just a giant mystery with no sense whatsoever where the next steps are. And you just ask them a few questions about, yeah, okay, so that thing, got it. You're not into that. Uh, why? Well, then how would you do it if you're going to do it not like that? Well, I'd probably do it like this. Oh, good. Look at that. Look at how much you actually do know. Yeah. If you're stuck, frustrated, uh, trying to make, do, create something, and you just cannot, the thing is just not flowing, uh, slow it down and ask questions about the water. Because oftentimes there's something in the conditioning. There's some story that you were told about how it works, and so you're still telling that story. But now you're doing something new, and that old story is still, it's like almost like it's still the operating software, and yet something new is asking for expression, and so it's going to need some new animating energy. So what you're actually doing in that moment, you picture, picture it like a prayer, you're allowing the unconscious to become conscious. So, so right now, think of, uh, what do you got, some, you got some relational train wreck on your hands, you got uh, something with some financial stress, you, uh, you got something you really, really, really want to try, but you're just bound up in fear, uh, yeah, you, you have some anxiety about if you're going to be okay. Yeah, so any of those things, slow it way down, and it, it, it's, a, it's like a form of meditation or prayer. You ask for the unconscious to be made conscious. You ask, what is the conditioning? What is the water that I've been swimming in on whatever this is in front of me right now? What, is, what did I pick up? What messages did I receive about this? That I am, what assumptions am I operating under? Yeah. And if you do that, okay, so what, what is so close that I'm not consciously aware of it that's actually shaping 
how I interact with this, how I approach it, how I handle it, how I attempt to take a step forward. And, um, and I just watched so many people, as soon as you slowed down, or even just simply this, what's the voice on my shoulder here? What's the voice on my shoulder? The number of people I've watched when I just said, what's the voice on your shoulder telling you? And instantly they're like, oh, I got my mom, my dad, my some mentor, my first boss, I got a sibling, I got people I went to college with, I got neighbors. Instantly they identify a voice. Somebody who is almost like the human face of the conditioning that's like, nobody does that who wants to be respected or whatever. It's always some, ugh. Yeah. And what's happening is the person has a clear thing that is emerging. It's rising up within them. It is the next step. It is them becoming even more them in the world. And as soon as what was unconscious becomes conscious, oh, that's the, oh, yeah, well, I don't want, yeah. Uh, disempowerment, which means life is happening to you as opposed to you shape your life. Um, lack and scarcity. I mean, there's, a, there's some that are uh, just, oh, here's a huge one. Oh, God, this one's so massive. The idea that there's risk. The idea, well, that would be really risky. Oh, the number of people, the number of people who were raised and taught and groomed in a world of risk avoidance, which is that would be really risky. So something rises up within them, some new creation that is asking for expression, some next step for them to be more fully them, and instantly what kicks in is that would be risky. And for so many people, that's the understanding and conditioning around risk. There's the thing you're doing, and then there's taking, and they usually use uh, psychodramatic language. Is that a term, psychodramatic? Oftentimes the person uses... Um, very heightened, electrified language, like, I just stepped out and took this huge risk. I just go went for it. And it's all to manage the anxiety, but it all comes from conditioning that was deeply flawed because it taught people there's what you're doing and then there's whether or not you take a risk. But if new, if spirit is inviting you into something new and keeps inviting you into that, if something new is asking for expression. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say there's risk in doing that, but there's just as much or more risk in not trying it. Yeah, yeah. Doing the same thing you've always done is its own risk. Yeah, so even this idea that there's risk versus not risk is all conditioning that is so profoundly flawed. And so what you have to go all the way, it's like you become conscious of it and you go, oh, the whole thing is risk. Yeah, the whole thing is risk. It's all risky. Yeah, it's just an issue of which risk do you want to take. Oh, yeah. Woo, like a fish, comma, standing on the beach. And we are, we just happen to be living in this time when lots and lots of fish are standing on beaches. Yeah, going, what was that? And that's that's why there's such a crackle, such a bristle, such an electric spark in the air is 
so many people are becoming so much that was previously unconscious is being made conscious. Oh, this whole conditioning around whatever it didn't it's it's not helpful. It doesn't you can't make a new world when that's uh, the story that you're telling. Yeah, so it's disorienting, but it's disorienting in the most wonderful way because it's how it's the it's the elementary disruptive power of new creation. It arises within old creation and it says, hey, let's move this thing forward, shall we? Oh, here we go. Let's talk about other people. Perhaps for you, it's impossible to talk about this water and conditioning without thinking about the people who ran the schools and paid the bills and taught you and shaped you. And maybe for you, you uh, have lots of anger. People who didn't acknowledge your voice. People who taught you things that were in their best interest, not yours. Yeah, yeah, get that out. Of course. Yeah, yeah. What you will notice happens is as you see the people who shaped your own conditioning, you will begin to see them and the conditioning they received. So what you will find is parallel tracks. You will find yourself having great compassion. Like, oh, yeah, they look at the world they came from. Look what they were taught about things. Uh, you'll have great compassion, and you'll probably also have um, <sighs> boundaries, maybe even separation and distance, but I want nothing to do with that anymore. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I know that they were just doing what they were taught to do, um, but they did make choices, and they did teach me a bunch of stuff, and I don't have to be in around it anymore. I may not even, you may not even want to be around them anymore. Okay, okay. Compassion and understanding often goes hand-in-hand hand with a refusal to participate in the earlier systems and conditioning. Yeah, that's yours, this is mine. So uh, if you find yourself... I haven't ever really heard somebody name this. What you'll notice as the heart opens in love for everybody, you you come to see everybody and the conditioning that, I mean, the world, the families they come from, the things they were taught, and you oh, of course they're like that. Of course they voted that way. Look what they were taught about things. You have tremendous compassion, and you also have, and that's also really, really messed up, and I refuse to participate in that, and I will resist that. I will protest that. I will actively work to subvert that. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's not good, right? So, uh, so that's idea number one that uh, I've often noticed for a number of people, they're like, they have a duty and debt and obligation, once again, which is part of the conditioning, like they're supposed to somehow still be swimming in that water. If you don't want to swim in that water, don't swim on that water. That's why the episode is like a fish chain on beach. I don't want anything to do with that anymore. Good. Leave it. Yeah, just leave it. Get out of that water. Go swim in different water. Yeah. Yeah, but you'll, you'll notice that with strong, that, that what great love does that's a, actually able to see the world through somebody else's experience, that you become porous in the sense 
that you have greater compassion can you can see how people became that brittle, fearful, terrified, etc. You have compassion because that's all they've ever known and all they've ever been taught and it's all that's ever been reinforced for them. And you also are like, and they're also responsible for the choices they make. I don't have to be around for that. I actually am going to do something very different. I'm going to go swim over here. Yeah, so oftentimes those two things are happening at the same time, and they feel for many people like, wow, I don't understand. These are two very different impulses. Yes, the heart can handle it just fine. Yeah, yeah, the heart, the heart can handle all that just fine. Oh, secondly, and uh, we're going to have to do a whole thing here in the next little bit on advanced player mode, but let's, uh, when it comes to other people, heal it in yourself. That's what I would say to you. Heal it in yourself. The energy that you could spend wondering why they're the way they are, wondering why they actually believe all that nonsense that they're saying and that they were taught that they haven't ever challenged, it's still, for them, unconscious. They just think it's how... Th what you are like, oh, yeah, you're clearly just in the grip of whatever, resentment, fear, ignorance... They're like, no, they're, they think they're saying how things actually are. Okay, so however, when you look at other people and think, how can they even begin to think that, believe that, say that, except, you know what? Uh, heal it in yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of work there. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why you got up out of the beach, onto the beach, I don't know why you became dissatisfied. I don't know why you didn't work. It didn't work for you, and so you're like, that's it, I'm not. Who knows? Who knows? Why do some people, uh, what is the word? They, I mean, let's, let's, use a, let's use an old school biblical word. Why do some people mature and some people regress? Some people become more free. Yeah, and they develop character and integrity and spinal fortitude, and they become more loving and more expansive, and they are able to see the world from other perspectives, and other people get smaller, and they become more brittle and inflexible, and they just, it's like constricting. Who knows? Yeah. So when you find yourself, and maybe it's people that you're, like, at one point you were very close to, and now you're like, oh my God, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so part of what you're doing is you're getting very disciplined about asking the questions of yourself rather than others. How come they're still that way? I don't know. Kind of a boring question, much more interesting question. What's happening within you? What's asking for healing? What's asking to be brought to the surface? so some light can shine on it. Much more interesting. Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you want to do next? Yeah. What direction does your heart beat in? Much more interesting questions. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, I got enough interesting things happening. I got like my hand in my heart right now. I got enough interesting things happening in here just to, to be wondering or complaining about some other person over there. <laughs> You want a new world? You want a new political system? You want a new economic reality built around abundance, not scarcity? You want a world where people don't invade other countries for ancient 
primitive, barbaric, completely unnecessary reasons. Like you want that kind of, okay, great, 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 great. Then, then, then wa- heal it, watch it get healed in the innermost parts of your own being. Yeah. And, 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 uh, so then when someone does like really get under your skin and push your buttons, yeah, of course, you can spend tons of energy uh, trying to figure out why they are the way they are. Much, much more interesting curriculum to create for yourself on the spot is why does that person provoke me like they do? And the answer will generally be your own shadow. Yeah, that's why all this gets so interesting is instead of like, why are they like that? Why are they able to tweak me like they do? (laughs) Why are they able to provoke me like they do? Much more interesting question. And once again, now you're asking the right questions. How, what healing are, have they come to show me is awaiting me? Such a better game to be playing. So much more interesting. Yeah. So much more enjoyable. Yeah. A little disorienting here and there. Sure. You're, you're a fish on the beach. What's a fish doing on the beach? By the way, I have no idea what the fish does next. Does it go fi- find other water? Does it go back into that water? But it doesn't have, the water has no effect. You know, that's the thing about an image. Yeah. That's the thing. Don't take it too serious. Don't take it too seriously. <laughs> well, I just did. Oh, this six-hour audiobook, Handling Your Fire. Part of the audiobook, the first hour and a half, two hours, I do this whole thing about the difference between the thread and the setup and how the thread is like almost this pattern, this continuity of who you've been over the years. And generally, if you ask people, if you, why am I giving you the whole first two hours right now? Seriously, folks, here you go. Um, and so there's the thread, like this sort of essence of who you've been, what you're drawn to, what you love, kind of the gift you're here to give. And then there's the setup, which is where are you living right now, how you pay the bills, what you do with your time, how you spend your energy. And most people cling really tightly to the, to the setup, like this is what I'm doing, um, and don't really pay any attention to the thread of who they've always been. And so you got to swap those. You, you actually pay great attention to the thread and setups come and go. You want to get a new job? Get a new job. You want to go over there and try that? Go over there. The setup's actually much... So you got to lighten up the setup. But uh, in the audiobook I talked about... <laughs> it's really funny. I just did this thing about this thread, and then I thought, well, what about the person... I was thinking when I was making it. What about the person who says, well, you know, I've like... I'm a physicist, but I also write poetry. I kind of have these multiple threads that have always been with me. I'm sort of the researcher, the scientist, and I'm also the mystic, the... So I was like, okay, fine, maybe you have a couple threads. I don't know. Um, so I was just doing this offhanded caveat for the because there's always the person I'm thinking of who's like, but what if I have multiple threads, Rob Bell? But then I did this class, and somebody was like, I'm really having a difficult time because the question was something along the lines of, it's it, you know, all my different threads, and how do I find all my... Th-? And it's like, ah, oh, no, I was just saying some stuff. <laughs> I was just saying some stuff. You only got one thread, you got two, whatever. I was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> so that's why I end this episode with, if you're like the fish on the beach, Rob, I don't get it. Is the fish, if the fish spends too much time on the beach, the fish dies. So should the fish get back? But what if the fish can't see the next? I don't know. I don't know. It's just an image. <laughs> if it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, it doesn't. This, of course, is a caveat for everything you've ever heard and anything I've done, is if it's not helpful, 
Ah, toss it. If the fish needs some clothes or a sandwich or a burrito, get the fish a burrito. Do it. Take the take it and run with it. <laughs> and by the way, I will take so much pleasure in seeing some of you wherever I am out in the world. And if somebody at some point, I'm just gonna say this up front. If somebody says something to me like, "Oh, the fish gets in an Uber and goes to Toledo." Uh, that will be, because some of you do this, you do inside baseball with me, you'll like make this, you'll just walk up to me and say something strange in public, but it'll be like a deep cut reference to something in the Robcast or something. And I'm telling you, it, I laugh, I love it so much. I already just now I'm realizing that the fish on the beach and what and how I gave you an entire episode built around an image that I don't really know where it goes next. Oh God, that's I'm just handing some of you people with your warped, wonderful, uh, askew senses of humor. I already know there's going to be some good ones. Oh, that's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So one more thought here at the end. We've already covered it, but... Yeah, I don't know how long it'll take. Yeah, you swam in that water for a long time, so just relax. Just relax. Ha awareness is half the battle right there. Yeah, what was conscious has now... What was unconscious has become conscious. You're now aware that there is a different way to think about that, hold that, walk in that, live that, relate to that, frame it. Yeah, that's half the battle right there. Now you see there's got there's got to be some other way than that. Great. Yeah, now your radar's turned on. You'll figure it out. Yeah, you got what you need. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course you do. Of course you do. So... There we go, my friends. That was Robcast episode two, 324, like a fish standing on the beach. Yeah. And so now, as always, I'm sending you grace and peace and love now more than ever. <laughs>